Amen. So uh, again, we're right now in a 12-week discipleship series, and the first four weeks of that is identity. And uh, last week, I talked about our primary identity, which is creatures. That is, that we have been created by God. And uh, as we transition into part two, uh, today we're going to be talking about what it means to be created in the image of God and how we are image bearers. And I shared this last week that the goal, really, of this whole identity series is to teach us to find our identity vertically that is based on who God says we are rather than horizontally, who we think we are or who culture says we are or who other people say we are. The goal is to teach us to find vertical identity. And if I could sum that up in one statement, which I said last week as well, your identity is that God made you and Jesus saved you. That's the, the most boiled down that we could get That in one sentence. I'm made by God, I'm created by God, and, and I'm saved by God through Jesus. So that is our identity if we're to sum it up in one statement. And before we get into Genesis chapter 1, I wanted to uh, share a story with you guys from my childhood. I think I was probably eight or nine years old, and this was back in the day when, uh, in the 1900s, Michael Jordan was out on the court doing his thing, flying across the court. He was the legend of the 80s and 90s, and I just remember like watching him on TV and being like, oh my gosh, it'd be amazing to get to meet him one day or whatever. Well, one of my neighbors for Christmas one year got this basketball that had Michael Jordan's autograph like printed on it, and I was only like eight or nine, and I was like, dude, like that's Michael Jordan's autograph, like that's legit. Like, I need one of those. So I got a basketball that didn't have it printed on and was like, dude, I'm going to get it, like, handwritten on there. Like, I'm going to get Michael Jordan's autograph. So I went to my neighbors, uh, my friend Tyler, who had got the basketball. I went to his mom and was like, hey, do you think you could, like, copy that autograph onto this basketball? And she was like, totally. So she got a permanent marker and was, like, looking at the printed one. And she did Michael Jordan's autograph on my basketball. And I was, like, so stoked out of my mind. I was, like, 100% convinced that I now had Michael Jordan's autograph because it looked just like it. I was like, dude, this is so sick. And I started, like, telling all the other kids in the neighborhood, like, check this out. I got a Michael Jordan autograph basketball. And they're like, what, dude? How'd you get that? It's like, not telling you. I didn't want to reveal the secret. That it's the neighbor's mom who does them, you know? I didn't want to give that away. So I kind of kept the secret for a few months. And people would come over. And, you know, it was there chilling in my closet. I'm like, oh, that's going to fund my retirement one day. It's like so legit. Like, there it is. And then finally one day I told one of the other neighbors. He was like, dude, seriously, how did you get Michael Jordan's autograph? I was like, okay, bro, this is kind of top secret. So, like, don't spread the news. You know, I don't want everyone to have one of these. But Tyler's mom can do this perfectly. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, dude, like she wrote it on there. And he was like, that's not Michael Jordan's autograph then. That's Tyler's mom. And I was like, no, bro, like it looks exactly like it. And he was like, that's Tyler's mom's autograph, bro. That's, that's not worth anything. And it just kind of blew my mind and shattered my dreams. And I was like, what? I like came to the realization I, I don't actually have Michael Jordan's autograph. And I was like super bummed out, super depressed or whatever. And just kind of, you know, had to begin to work through that. But, you know, the, the reason I shared that with you guys today is because that, that was not authentic. It was not the real thing. It was not actual Michael Jordan's autograph. If Michael Jordan himself had done that, that thing would be valuable. That would have a lot of worth. But because it wasn't actually from Michael Jordan's hand, it had no value at all. And as we come to really understanding what it is to be created in the image of God, we're going to see that it's because God himself 
created us. It's because God made us in his image that that is what gives us ultimate worth and value and purpose in life. God himself, the creator of the universe, way more valuable and infinite than even Michael Jordan. Man, he himself stamped his own autograph. He stamped his own signature on us when he created us in his own image. And so as we come to Genesis chapter one, if you want to look down at verse 26, this right here, as we look at verse 26, is really the closing of the creation account. And it's important to note that this is the final act of creation. So the five days prior, God had created the heavens and the earth. He created the universe. He created the animals. He created the land and the sea. And this really is the crescendo or the climax or the crown of God's creation. The final thing God created before he rested was man. And everything else before the creation of man, God was preparing the earth to be a suitable and inhabitable place for humans to be able to live. And God creating man, again, the, the final crescendo, it's as if he calls all creation that he had made previously to bear witness to what he was about to do, creating the first thing in his own image. So check this out. Genesis 1 verse 26, after everything was created, it tells us, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. So this really is, is our primary identity. Again, last week we talked about just that we were created, that God created us. Therefore, we belong to him, not ourselves. And now we get further into it and see that God created us in his own image. This is what's called the Imago Dei, that God created us in his own image. And it's interesting, if you'll look down, we see something in verse 26 that we don't see anywhere else in any other account of creation. And that is verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So we see here in the creation of man, plural pronouns. We see that God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And so this here is a reference to the Trinity. And, and, and maybe this is new for some of you guys, but God has existed for eternity past as a relational being. He, he has been in perfect community in a perfect relationship with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have eternally existed, have dwelt together. And now we, we see the first real reference to this, that God says, let us make man in our image. So we see here that at the creation of man, um, the divine counsel what was called upon, that the whole entire Trinitarian God was called upon to create man. And prior to this, if you read Genesis 1, uh, verse 1 through 25, as God creates the heavens and the earth, as he creates the animals, as he creates the land and the fish and all of that, it just says that God created. It says that God said, let there be, and God created. But only here in the creation of man is there a reference to the Trinity. Only in the creation of man is the whole entire Godhead, all three persons, actively involved in the creation of man. And that's because only man, the only thing in creation, was created in the image of God. 
And if man was going to be created in the image of God, if he was going to be created to reflect who God is, then it would require the entire original. It would require, it would require both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to actively be involved if man was to accurately reflect and represent God is in the fullness of his nature and of his character and who he is. And so that's why it says that man was created in the image of God and also let us, again, he was created in our image and our likeness. And so again, the Trinity had to be involved in creating man in order for man to be made in the fullness of the image of God. And it's interesting, man is actually very similar to animals. If you look at the creation account of both man and animals, there are three main similarities and yet one main difference. And I want to share those with you guys because man's qualitatively distinct from the animal kingdom, although we were created in a similar manner. And so the similarities, I'll just briefly go over these. Man's body was formed from the same elements uh, of earth that animals were made up of. I want you to see this. Look at verse 24. Uh, It says this. So God said, speaking of the animals, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. So when God created animals, he said, let the earth bring forth creatures according to their kind. And then look over at chapter two, verse seven. It says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So both humans and animals were created from the same substance. We were both created from the earth. We were both created from the dust of the ground. Secondly, uh, we, we humans and animals both were created with a living spirit or what the Hebrew word is, the nepesh, which is a living spirit, a living soul. And I want you to see this as well. Look again at verse 24. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. So again, a living creature is what God spoke when he created the animals. And then chapter two, verse seven, again, look back there as well. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. So both animals and humans were created from the dust of the ground. We both also have the nepesh, which is the breath, a living creature. It's life. And then thirdly, we have the same breath of life. God breathed the breath of life into humans in the same way that he did the animals. I want you to see this again. Chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And thus the man became a living being or a living creature. And then Genesis 7, verse 22. If you want to flip there, you don't have to. Genesis 7, verse 22 Uh, This was when God flooded the earth and the livestock were all being killed off. Verse 22 says everything on the dry land uh, in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. So both humans and animals were created from the same dust of the ground, the earth, where we're made up of the same fundamental materials. We both are living creatures. We have what's called the nepesh. And then the breath of life that God breathed into us to make us living creatures, he, he did with the animal kingdom as well. And so we have a lot of similarities. And although we share these similarities, there's one thing that makes humans distinct from the animal kingdom. And that is the fact 
that we humans and only humans were created in the image of God. And so the fact that only humans bear the image of God, it makes us uh, qualitatively distinct and quantitatively greater than the animals. This is what separates us from them, that we humans were created in the image of God. We have something that no other creature, nothing else with the breath of life has, and that is the image of God. And we see this not just in Genesis chapter 1, but this is reaffirmed all throughout the scripture, how when God made man, he created us in his image and after his likeness. If you want to look at Genesis chapter 5, it tells us in verse 1 and 2, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. So Genesis 5 shows us we were made in the likeness of God. One more reference, Genesis chapter 9 verse 6. If you want to look at that or write it down, it tells us whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed for God made man in his own image. And then again, of course, back in chapter one, verse 26, God made man in his own image and after his likeness. So what does this mean? If we're, if we're, if this is really a part of our fundamental identity and separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom and separates us from anything else God created, what does that actually mean? What is our responsibility if we were created in the image of God. And I want to share with you guys this morning what that is and what that means to have been created in the image and the likeness of God. So first off, if you want to kind of nerd out on the original language just for a little bit, the word image in the Hebrew language, um, it's the Hebrew word salem, S-E-L-E-M. And what this word means uh, is a duplicate meant to represent a person or a thing. So all throughout scriptures and all in ancient times, an image uh, would be used to represent Somebody like, for example, a, a statue or a model or, or a drawing would be considered a salem, an image. So you would walk into a city, you would maybe see a statue, a statue of the king, and you would see that statue, and that's an image, and you go, oh, I know that that person is the king here. So when God made us in his image, he made us as statues or as, as paintings or a piece of art to reflect and show who he is. We, we were born to show the world really who God is and how great he is. And then likeness, we're made in his image and likeness. The phrase, like, the term likeness in the Hebrew is damut. Uh, it's D-E-M-U-T. And that word carries the idea of similarity. So we, we were made to represent God. That's being made in the image of God. And we're similar to God. We're made in his likeness. It's as if I'm sure some of you guys have had people say to you, oh, you look just like your mom or you look just like your dad or you look like your grandma or you look like your grandpa. It doesn't mean that you are your dad or that you are your mom. But when they say you look like them, it means that there's there's similarities. And so when God created us in his image, he created us as his representatives on the earth. And also he created us in his likeness, meaning there's something about humans that that reflects who God is when when when. When people see a human made in the image of God, they say, man, I'm actually drawn to, to see who God is. I look at you and I don't see just you. You're actually like God. You're actually reflecting the nature and the character of God in the very way that he created you. And the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it translates.
equates both of these words, both image and likeness, uh, the same. And it, 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 the word it uses is icon. And these are used really interchangeably throughout the Septuagint and all of the Old Testament. And really both of these words created in the image and likeness of God. Both of these words are emphasizing that we as humans were created by God closely patterned after his design so that we could accurately reflect who he is. So you don't got to get too hung up on the, the simple little differences in the both of them. Image and likeness, both of them are trying to communicate the same thing, that we are closely patterned after our creator so that we can accurately reflect who he is um, to the world. And so really that's the purpose of an image the fact that God made us in his image, we're his image bearers. The purpose of an image is to display or, or duplicate or display the original, right? So when God made us in his image, it means he made us to show the world who he is. An image is designed to do exactly that, to, to image or to show you the original, and so I just have a few just practical examples to help you guys out here a little bit. Leviathan, let, let me see what we have up on here. So anyone know who this guy is right here? Some of you probably don't. Let me help you out a little bit. That's our boy, Justin Bieber, but you may not recognize him. He's a little older. I told Levi I wanted the baby, the baby Bieber picture, but this is Justin Bieber, if you didn't know, okay? He, he's, he's here. This is an image of him. What else we got, Levi? Let's see, check this. This is our... Okay, that's who I was talking about. Michael Jordan right there. So this is an image of Michael Jordan, right? I'm sure you guys know who that is. If you don't, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> Levi, what else we got up in here? I'm just trying to help out a little bit. This is T-Swizzle. Some of you may know her as Taylor Swift, but um, she's awesome also. Uh, Levi, you got one more for us? Okay, this is, this is for, you know... This is for some of the older generation. I wanted to reach you guys too, you know what I'm saying? Like this, this is our squad right here, right? Like y'all know who this is? This younger generation, you may not know. You may be like, yo, like this is the Beatles right here. They were before Bieber, okay? So now, now check this out. We, we, I just threw these up just as an example. Let me ask you this. How many of you guys today are, are gonna leave church and are going to go up to your friends or your family and be like, dude, you're not going to believe who I saw at the story today. Dude, the Beatles were there. Like, if you do that, no, I won't go into that. No one is going to leave here and be like, dude, you're not going to believe this. Justin Bieber was at the story. If that happened, praise the Lord. Uh, but it's, no one's going to do that though, right? Like, why not? Why not? Because that, that wasn't Justin Bieber, that wasn't Taylor Swift, that wasn't Michael Jordan, that wasn't the Beatles, that was an, an image of them. And so by, by looking at those, by seeing an image of Michael Jordan or the Beatles, what does that do? It shows us a little bit about who they are. From an image, we may be able to learn what they looked like or certain characteristics, but there's nothing about the image itself that we're like, oh my gosh, that's, that's actually them. Images are designed to show you the original, that they were meant to communicate information about who that real person is. And so when it's, it's again, the same thing when we see today, a, a statue or a painting or a photograph of a purpose or of a person, its entire purpose is to show you to image who the original was, what, what the original looks like to communicate who that person was. And so our goal and our purpose in life as image bearers 
being made in the image of God, that means that our entire purpose in life is to show the world not who we are. It's not about us. It's not about the image. It's to show the world who God is because he created us in his own image, right? So that's, that's what it means. This is our fundamental identity. We got to get this. God made us in his image so that he, he made you really who you are so that he can be made known for who he is. And that's a tweetable moment right there, right? You are who you are so that God can be made known for who he is. God made you distinct and unique. You're different from any other human who also was created in the image of God. But God made you who you were to reflect who he is, which means, and this is countercultural, this means this. It's not about you. Okay? Do do we get that? We, We don't, if we're being honest. It's not a, your life is not about you. You were made in the image of God, which means the purpose of your life is to show the world who God is, to reflect his image, which means it's not about you. And this is so contrary to what culture is saying today. It's so contrary to what we're learning on social media, right? It all started with MySpace. That's where it started. Like this is my, some of you guys never got on MySpace. It was legit in the 1900s, I'm not gonna lie. I had one, but I'm just saying, like, it started with MySpace, like, oh, it's all about me. And then it went to Facebook, like, look at my face, (laughs) selfie, right? That was the word of the year, 2014, selfie. So the word of the year was like, hey, it's all about you. It's all about yourself. It's all about your selfie. And like that, let's be real here. Like, let's get real. I know it's a little touchy for some of you guys, but like your Instagram and your Snapchat, like... That's, that's all about you. Like you're like, oh my gosh, look how good my life is. I'm chilling on the beach, you know, I'm chilling in Seattle. I'm drinking this good coffee. Like this is what we do. Like if we're being real, like social media is, it's all about us. And don't get me wrong. I'm not against social media. Uh, I am for social media. I think that it can be redeemed. I think it can be used for the glory of God. But generally speaking, like the, the message culture is promoting is it's about you. Your life is about you. Show the world your greatness. Show how successful you are. But having been created in the image of God means our fundamental identity is that we were created by God to display God's glory and God's greatness to the world and not our own. And again, that means it's not about you. Your life isn't about you. It's about God. And so the question is, how do we do that? If my purpose in life is not to show the world how great I am and look at me, if my whole purpose being made in the image of God, like an image, is to reflect the original, if I'm supposed to, through my life, when people look at it, they should be able to see something of God, learn something about God, how do I do that? How do I fulfill my purpose as an image bearer of God? How do I show the world through my life who God is? Like, that's a, that's a big task. How do we do that? For starters, and let's just start real simple here. It starts with having a relationship with God, right? If your purpose in life is to show the world who God is, you can only show the world who God is if you know who God is, right? If, if I was to say, hey, get up here and do an imitation of Jim Carrey. If you've never watched a Jim Carrey movie... 
You can't show us who Jim Carrey was. You can't, you can't imitate him. You don't know who he is. If our purpose in life is to show the world who God is, that means our fundamental purpose in life is actually to have a relationship with God. If I'm created in his image, my purpose is to show the world who he is. That starts with having a relationship. God created us intentionally in his image so that we would have to look to him to discover our identity. Isn't that amazing? He only did this with humans. He made us in his image so we would have to look to him to discover identity and to discover who we are. And so really, again, vertical identity is rooted in having a relationship with God, a a personal relationship with the person of Jesus. He created you for that. Isn't that amazing? God created you to have a personal relationship with him. That's mind-blowing. We're talking about the creator who created everything we see. We're talking about the one who holds everything together by the power of his might. He created you for a personal relationship. That's mind-blowing. I don't understand that. I never will be able to understand that. We never will. But that's what God wants. That's why he made us in his image so that we would look to him to discover identity, to discover meaning, and to discover purpose. And you know what? Again, let's, let's, go, let's backtrack a little bit here. No other creature, no other animal can have a personal relationship with God. No other creatures that God made, nothing else that God made can, can worship God or can know him in a personal, intimate way. And if you think about this, this is why animals don't have identity issues. Think about this for a second. <laughs> Only humans wrestle with the idea of identity. Animals don't do that. Animals never have Suicidal thoughts because they're, they're struggling and wrestling so hard trying to discover who they are. Only humans, only humans will get to a point where our, our struggle is so real and, and where we're wrestling so hard to try and discover who we are that we, we don't even want to live anymore. Animals don't do that. You know why? Because an animal was created to show you what that animal was like. Let me give you an example. I have two cats, Asher, big boy, and baby. And yes, they are on Instagram, I'm just saying. So you know why Asher, big boy, exists? His whole purpose in life is to, when I walk in, hopefully kind of give me a little meow. When I wake up in the morning, hopefully climb up on me a little bit and purr and to eat food and to poop in the litter box and that's it. Like that's the purpose of his existence. Do you know why a dog exists? A dog exists to show you what a dog is like. They're a little better than cats. I will say that, although I only have cats. You're like, come here, Fluffy, and he comes. I'm like, come here, Asher, big boy. And he's like, no, chilling over here. But like, that's his purpose. The purpose of a cat is to be a cat and to show you, yo, I'm not coming unless you give me a special treat. The purpose of a dog is to be like, yo, I'm coming. I'll chill. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about that. Every single animal was created to show you what that animal's like. The purpose of a bird is is to fly around and make a nest and lay eggs. That's its entire purpose in life. Check this out though. Only humans, humans are the only creature that were created by God to show you something other than themselves. Isn't that interesting? A bird is meant to show you what a bird does. A cat is meant to act like a cat. 
A bear was created to be a bear. A human was not created, though, to display our own greatness. Humans were created in the image of God and were created to show the world who God is, not who we are. We are the only creatures created for something greater than ourselves. Is that amazing? We are the only creatures created to reflect something bigger and better and greater than ourselves. And you know what this means? This means the degree that you know who he is, the degree that you know who the creator is, is the degree that you will know yourself. Because you can only know yourself in him. God made us in his image. So the more I know him, the more I actually discover who I am. And this is why we're, we, we have all these identity issues. This is why we have all these identity struggles as people. It's because we were created to show the world who God is. We were created to reflect who he is. And yet, there's still a part of us that wants to show the world how great we are. There's still a part of us that says, man, I want them to see me. I want it to be about me. I want it to be about my life. I want you to see how great I am. And we still have that internal struggle. But man, we can't know ourselves apart from knowing God. And, and, and for some of you, that might maybe hard to understand. I remember there was a season in my life when I was in Europe and I was traveling around Europe. I was reading this amazing book called Thoughts for Young Men by one of my favorite authors, J.C. Ryle. And he was talking about the knowledge of self. He, he was, I, I remember the quote specifically. He said, pride is a result of not knowing yourself. And at that time, I was like, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean that you don't know yourself? And I was having a conversation with my brother and my buddy about that. We're like, I, I don't know. Like, I think I know who I am. I, I think I know what I'm about. But man, we cannot know ourselves apart from knowing God. It's as we draw closer to him, as we progress in that relationship with him, we begin to discover who we truly are. And again, this is the reason why so many people wrestle and struggle with so many identity issues is because we're not looking to God. We're not looking to the God to, to show us who we are and to reflect his image. We look to ourselves. We say, who do I want to be? Who, who do I define myself as? We look to culture. Who does culture say I am? Who does culture say I should be? How does culture define greatness? And when we look to ourselves and when we look to other people and when we look to culture to define us, we're always going to have that emptiness inside. Because God created us in his image, which again means we're only going to know who we are when we know who we are in him. Amen? Amen. Amen. So my question for you guys is, what area of your life right now have you been looking to yourself? Or have you been looking to other people? Or or have you been looking to coworkers to define you? What areas of your, your life are you not allowing God to define you and not allowing God to say who you are? And what areas of your life are you struggling to show God's greatness and God's goodness? And you're saying, you know what? I want to make this about me. I want, I want my life to be about me. I want people right now to see how great I am. We all struggle with that. We, we all wrestle with that. We all have deep down desires where we want to make it about us. We want to be known. We want to be great. We want people to to celebrate our success. But man, all of that, God made you who you were, your gifts, your talents, 
everything so that in your success, in your achievements, he would be seen for great because he created you that way. And so this is something, again, as we're in this identity series, I want us to continually just be thinking about and just be praying about, man, what areas of my life am I failing to display God's greatness and and I'm trying to show my greatness instead? What areas of my life am I looking to other people and culture and myself for identity and, and to be defined rather than looking to God and to who he says we are? And the reality is the evidence that that we all struggle with this, that that we all struggle with trying to find identity and wanting to be made great. This is really a distortion of the image of God. And this is a result of sin, which we're going to get into more next week. But really what happened is when sin entered the world uh, through Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when sin entered the world, it created a barrier between God and man. Man, Adam, was walking in the cool of the garden with God. He had a perfect relationship vertically with God. And yet when sin came into the picture, there was a distortion. The the, the image of God was marred. And so man no longer perfectly and accurately displayed the image of God. Man, because of sin, began to display his own image and wanted to make a name for himself and wanted to be made great. And this is the whole purpose of the gospel. The whole reason that Jesus came to this earth was to restore the fullness of the image of God that was lost at the fall, that was lost when sin entered into the world. God sent his son to restore that and to bring us back into a perfect vertical relationship with God. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. It says this, who though he was in the form of God, this is speaking of Jesus, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, listen to this, being born in the likeness of men. When Jesus came to this earth, he came as a human. Humans were created in the image and likeness of God. We were meant to show who God is. And when Jesus came to this earth, He was created in the likeness of men. God created man in the image and likeness of God. When he sent his son Jesus, he created Jesus in the likeness of men. He became like us. He became fully human, like we are, to show us the fullness of God. To show us who God was because we could not fully know that once the image of God had been marred by sin. It says in Hebrews 1 verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory and the exact imprint of his nature. This is Jesus. Jesus is the exact imprint of of the nature of God. So his whole purpose in coming, he came in the likeness of men. He was created like us to show us the image of God in its fullness and to make a way to be able to restore that. And he did that on the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, it paid for and it atoned for all sin, past, present, and future. And in his death, burial, and resurrection, he made a way for the image of God, which was distorted, which was lost as a result of sin. He made a way for that to be done away with. So that now when we look to Jesus, now when we pursue that personal relationship with Jesus, that which was lost by sin, that which was marred, the image of God by the fall, is now restored by Jesus who was created in the likeness of men to restore us back to our personal relationship with God the Father. Is that amazing? That's amazing. God, here it is, made us in his image 
At sin that was distorted, he sent Jesus in the likeness of men so that that which was lost by sin could now be restored. And so my final encouragement for us today is simply this. Let's get back to the basics of just pursuing that relationship with Jesus. Let, let, let's see that. I mean, as we do that, as you see Jesus for who he really is, the areas of your life where you're struggling with the image of God, the areas of your life where you're struggling to find identity, you're going to see a perfect picture of the image of God. You're going to see exactly who you were created to be when you look to Jesus. And so my prayer for us as we leave is that we would continue to do that, that we would be a people not just on Sunday morning who comes and learns about Jesus, but that we would be a people throughout our entire week who's, who's looking to Jesus, who, who's trusting in Jesus. And as we do that, the image image of God that he created in us is going to be restored and we will be able to reflect who he is to the world in the way that he created us to. And people who God has brought into your life who don't know Jesus as you're looking to him and reflecting his image, they're going to see something different. And God is actually going to use your life to change people's lives around you. As you are reflecting the image of God, other people who were made in the image of God, who it's been broken and it's been marked, they're going to see that and God will use that. And that's a beautiful thing. So let's be a people who continues to look to and trust in the finished work of Jesus and continue to pursue that personal relationship with him. Amen. 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 Let's pray.